Thanks for tuning in for this sermon from Real Church Goshen. We pray that this message will encourage you to do the work that God has called you to do. Well, I am excited to bring the word to you tonight. Um, For those of you who maybe haven't um, heard me minister from a pulpit, um, I will warn you, I am everywhere <laughs> and nowhere at the same time, right, guys? I mean, <laughs> they're like, that's for sure. Um, so um, I, I'm, really, I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, and I didn't give them a graphic or anything. And for the record, I was on top of everything else today, was I not, guys? I mean, I printed music sheets out. I had things organized. I gave Kristen the scriptures before she had to ask me for it but I did not give them a graphic for tonight. So no graphic. Um, But we're going to be talking about getting in the game, okay? In the game. Um, And we're going to get to what that means in a minute, but I want to start by saying, you know, to the church, wow, what a month we have had. Um, You know, we have been able to speak with hundreds of people in our community because of your efforts, by being there, being present. We have done um, Goshen Ready Fest where we were able to supply, help supply um, school supplies for over 200 students, uh, partnering with all of the other churches here in Goshen. National Night Out, we handed out hundreds of fans. Uh, the balloon artist was amazing. She was busy, Nikki. She was busy all night. Um, she, the only condition she had when I asked her, I was like, look, we want to do this. And she's like, well, are you charging them for it? I'm like, no, it's all free. And she's like, can you just help me stop the line at some point? Because if I don't stop the line, and I don't like to be the person to stop the line, the line will never stop. Um, and so I was like, I, I'm a good line stopper. Um, so I, I, I stopped the line. Big win there. Um, we played in a kickball tournament. <laughs> We participated in a kickball tournament. Let me rephrase that a little bit. Um, now, hey, now look, listen, y'all, some of you didn't see some of the amazing things that happened in this kickball tournament. So let me, let me explain a little bit. And it's all going to tie into the word, okay? Just bear with me. Um, you know, we got asked to participate in the kickball tournament there at the park. It was something they really wanted to start. And, and let, me, let me tell you something that matters to me as a pastor, I want the community to come to us and say, will you please be in our kickball tournament? Like, how amazing is it when they're saying, hey, come into our world, come be a part of what we're trying to do. It may have been because they wanted to demolish me in kickball. That's fair. But, but that's what we want. We want open doors into the community. We want the community to come to us. And so it's a beautiful thing for them to say, hey, will you come play in a kickball tournament? And, uh, and so we, we rallied the troops, and we played. And let me tell you, out of 12 teams, we came in ninth place in the tournament. Right? Three teams actually dropped out of the tournament, which is what put us in ninth place. I wasn't sure if I was going to tell you that part or not, but I did let the cat out of the bag. Literally, I was getting so excited. They, were, they would tell me, they're like, FYI, this team just had to drop out because, well, there's a lot of reasons. I'm not gonna tell you all the reasons, but this team just had to drop out. So that means you're not 12th place. We didn't win a single game. Um, the adults, okay? Not a single game. Um, we can't, we, we actually, so, sorry, um, I'm gonna get there, but 
the, the games were three innings long, okay? And in our first legit tournament game, the one that matters, okay, um, we ended up tying the team in the third inning. And it was kind of like, wait a minute. Then, so we'd been playing kickball since 10 a.m. It's like 3.30 in the afternoon now. We, this is like our fifth or sixth game of kickball. Ricky's already out as an injury. Ricky was out the second play of the first game. First kick of the game. He, he's out in the outfield. Immediately, he's coming back like this. And I'm like, I don't know if you should kick. He's like, I'm going to be fine. He, he, that was the last time I saw him was after he tried to kick that ball. And it was over. Ricky was gone for the rest of the day. We were dropping like flies. I mean, Daniel's grabbing his hamstrings everywhere. Chris is walking with a limp. Um, I still can't run, um, and I'll never be able to run, I don't think. It was hysterical, but we, we had a blast. We had a blast with the community. It was a lot of fun, um, but in that last game, all of a sudden, we tied it up in the third inning, and we were all kind of questioning ourselves like, wait a minute. If we win... We have to play another game. <laughs> it was like everyone started questioning, but then, then we started thinking, but wait a minute. If we all of a sudden can win in the tournament, what does that mean? Like, this could be incredible. Um, so it ended up going for six innings. We kept tying and staying tied, and then we finally lost. Um, so we kept our losing streak pretty solid, lost every single game. Um, so kickball, you know, I, I believe in doing all things in excellence, um, that was bad, guys. <laughs> and I'll add, I fell pretty hard a couple of times. And most of you who saw it know it was pretty comical. Um, running to first base. Don't run in work boots. Don't wear work boots to that event, okay? That was a bad idea. Work boots were not a good idea. Um, we played in a vintage baseball game. Well, I was able to play, and we tried to make popcorn. That didn't work out for us, but that's Okay. But we were able to participate in that event, pray over that game with the community. Another beautiful way to engage. And, and let me tell you, Beth and I, in the last few weeks, we have gotten so many texts and messages from people in the community commenting on how we were at those events. And we, we had teams that literally we would play kickball and they would literally say to us, you guys are so fun to play because we were so bad, probably. I, I think the first three games, they had to call the game as a mercy rule because they were up 15 to zero, <laughs> 15 to zero. It was bad, okay? But those teams literally would come and they would say, you guys were so much fun. Like you guys weren't all serious. You weren't all, you know, losing your minds. And, and literally for us to be able to represent the church and to represent Jesus in that way, this community is embracing what we are doing. And that is an amazing, beautiful thing. You know, early August is always an incredibly busy month for us as a church because there's so many, you know, we've got Ready Fest, you've got National Night Out, and then they piled some more stuff on this year. But to be able to see so many of you loving our community and serving our community in some way uh, is, is really amazing. And so I'm so, so thankful um, for your participation in helping us do that. I'm glad most of us have nursed most of our injuries um, and we're walking again. Um, there was a lot of texting back and forth of, hey, how's that leg doing? And you getting around yet? And, and uh, um, anyways, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but like I said, Beth and I, we have 
literally had an outpouring from leaders in the community who've just commented on what we're doing here. And, uh, and so that's an exciting thing for us because that is opening doors. See, because one of the greatest challenges of what we do as a church isn't explaining to the unbeliever what we do. It's explaining to the believer what we do. See, I want you to see something in Proverbs chapter three, okay? Proverbs chapter three, and I believe this is, this is something that, that God was showing me today as we think about um, what we are doing and why we are doing it. Um, I have said so many times over and over and over, we are not looking, um, Bethany, Beth, for those of you who don't know, Bethany is the clause queen, my wife, okay? So she makes sure that every time that I say something that could be a little controversial, she is in the back of my head saying, throw out a clause, throw out a clause, throw out a clause. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of clauses tonight. Uh, but um, when, when we are serving in this community the way that we are, we are literally breaking down barriers that we wouldn't normally have access to do. And I've said this time and time before, we are not looking to, um, um, to expand real church, okay? We are looking to expand the kingdom of heaven. That's our focus. That's our energy. I've said over and over, we may never see the fruit in this building the way that many churches may measure and evaluate fruit. But when I hear from people in the community that haven't been able to step foot in a church in over five, 10 years, show up to something that we're doing and say, man, you guys are the real deal. That is a barrier that is being broken down. That's the work that we are called to do. That is the work that we are doing in this community, okay? So Proverbs 3, 3 through 4, I want you to hear what it says here. It says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. I want to say that last part one more time. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Now, I think this is, I think this is an interesting thing to think about because within the church, we've created the perception, and listen, this does happen, Claus Queen, this does happen, but we have created the perception that we are destined to be persecuted, in every way, in every corner, in everything that we experience. They don't like my hat. They don't like my cutoff flannel. They don't like my work boots. I'm being persecuted, right? This is, this is what happens. And, what I, and, and I'm not saying that, that, that persecution doesn't happen. We don't experience some element of that. But I'm amazed because what this tells us is that steadfast love and faithfulness being bound around our neck and writing them on the tablet of our heart, what it does is it will give us favor and good success in the sight of God and man. See, a lot of times we think that man's perspective is so, um, so negative, it's so worldly that it's not of interest. But for some reason in Proverbs, there is enough importance that the scripture wants to tell us that we can find favor in both God and man because of the way that we carry our love and our faithfulness. 
See, that is being a light to, to the world, right? That is showing them something different because they are seeing love and faithfulness. And guess what? They're not only seeing it in a building. They are seeing it everywhere. That They're seeing it when Jimmy takes his shoes off and, and walks into this mucky, nasty pond to get the kickball that the other team kicked there, right? It was gross. <laughs> But they are seeing love and faithfulness in the way that we don't get angry with them, but that we just enjoy. And I want you to understand this, okay? In doing that, it's often the religious who won't like it. It's the religious who won't understand it. It's the religious who will talk bad about it. But we are not here to save the religious, okay? We are here to honor Christ with our lives, with our hands, with our hearts, and with our generosity and everything that we do. That's what we're doing. It doesn't matter to the religious what this building looks like. It doesn't matter how many cars line up in this parking lot. It doesn't matter. I've said time and time again, our heart is to pastor the community, not a group of people in the community, okay? I want you to understand this because the ministry of what God is doing with us, the ministry of what God is doing with you in, as a part of this body may not look like what everyone expects, but I believe that the power and the ministry that the Holy Spirit is doing, look, the Holy Spirit is your measuring stick, not the religious. See, I think for so long, we have felt pressured to, um, almost guilted into explaining why we are the way that we are. And there is no guilt in walking out the ministry the way that Jesus walked out the ministry. Is that right? That's right. See, we, we want to feel that pressure that explaining, that guilt, that's religion. It, is, it has nothing to do with the ministry of what Jesus is. Jesus never said, hey guys, we're having a great time. Now everyone come to the church so I can talk to you a little bit more about, G about well, Mises, right? <laughs> I really wish he would have said that just once. Um, just once. See, when, when I look at fruit, I am looking for changed hearts, not a filled building. I am looking for progression in people's walk. I'm looking for progression in their attitudes. I'm looking for progressions in their lives that move them closer to a life with Christ. I'm not looking for hurting a bunch of sheep. You've heard me say that many times. See, it's funny because we've had people, we, we had, we had a, a, a couple that we met with this a couple weeks ago, and uh, they, they were longtime church attenders. They haven't been going to any church for a long time. And it's always funny to us when we sit down and have to talk to a believer about who we are. It's so weird. <laughs> when we talk to unbelievers, they're like, yes. <laughs> we talk to believers, they're kind of like, wait, now what? It's the third, okay, the third Saturday you're there, but what? You, where are you at? Well, we don't know. Well, how does that mean, like, that's literally what it looks like for us. And sometimes they're kind of like, these people are crazy. And we're like, thanks, you know, um, that's just who we are. But see, these texts, these things that we're hearing from people, we're hearing 
man, your, your body of believers, they are amazing. Your church is incredible. They're so fun. They're so kind. They're so generous. The list goes on and on and on. And I believe that as a church, what we're starting to see in the community is the favor that's talked about here in Proverbs, where community leaders are reaching out to us now and saying, will you come be a part of this? And you know what we do? The first thing Beth and I do is we say, how can we be generous in this? And so the kicking into the park, they're like, well, we have sponsorships. We'll sponsor it. We'll give you $125. We don't care. Wow. Okay. Really? The church is giving us money? Yeah, we don't care. Here's $125. Oh my gosh, that's going to help this. Oh, we're doing this. Okay. We'll sponsor that too. Here's this. We can get, that's, that's generosity to the level of Jesus. That's what we're living and that's what we're doing. Okay. When we see and hear these reports back from the community, I'm telling you right now, we know that that is the Holy Spirit being present in us when we are out there, whether we are on a kickball field, limping away, Ricky. <laughs> so disappointed. <laughs> excellence, Ricky. I demand excellence. <laughs> I believe that it is the Holy Spirit within us that is doing a work in people's hearts, okay? That is doing the ministry as Jesus did, okay? And so tonight, I want to talk to you about being in the game, and it, it's funny to most of you who know me because I know nothing about sports. Um, I am, it's funny, they were telling us the rules for the 1869 baseball game. These are how the rules go. And I'm like, this is great because I don't know how the normal rules go. <laughs> so the only rules I know now are 1869 baseball rules. So if any of y'all is like, hey, you want to play on my softball team? I am, I'm going to do weird things. You're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, that's the rules. Um, like 140 years ago. What are you talking about? 160 years, maybe. I don't know. So here's the thing I want you to understand is that this thought that I have, there is a very big difference from being in the game than there is of being at the game. Okay? Very big difference from being in the game than being at the game. And I want, you to, I want you to hear this, and I want this to just sink in for a little bit, because people who are at the game can have a lot of opinions about the game, right? But there's no action. It's just talk, right? It's just their perspective. It's, it's their whatever, whatever, their two cents, right, as we would say. And in the body of Christ, I hate to say it, but... We have a very similar problem in the body of Christ. We have a lot of people who may be in the game, but then we have a whole lot more people who are just at the game. And they want to tell you everything that's wrong with the game, right? (laughs) They got all kinds of opinions. They got all kinds of thoughts. Well, we ain't never done it like that. And this isn't the way, right? How many of you have heard someone in a church or someone who professes to be Christian moan and complain about everything that's being done wrong? Well, it's the wrong kind of music is what it is. It's the wrong scriptures. It's the wrong preacher. Now, I know none of y'all heard that. I'm just saying some people might say it. It's the wrong style. It's the wrong temperature. It's the wrong blah, 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 blah. Right? How often are those the people that are actually in it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How often are those the people that are actually in the trenches doing the ministry, putting their hands to the plow? Now, I'm just saying, and I'm not calling no one out, but I'm saying the majority of the time, they're just at the game, and they are not in the game. 
You know why the people that are in the game don't complain about it? Because they ain't got time to, because they're so busy ministering and being effective and doing whatever they can to serve. And so someone from out here who's just at the game can call all the shots. Ah, that wasn't that. That wasn't this. That wasn't whatever they want to say. But it's because they're just simply at the game. Many years ago, I had this thought. And it's funny for me to have this thought because I'm really not a sports guy <laughs> at all. <laughs> I'm really not. If any of y'all saw me run, <sighs> I am so sorry for that. Um, it was horrific. <laughs> the baseball game, I'm just going to tell I was a little bit better at baseball, okay? For those of you who, did, who weren't there, I kind of redeemed myself when I was cracking. I mean, I hit a couple. My brother Jeff was like, dude, you got an RBI. And I was like, I got a what? What was that? What, spell that again, you know? I mean, you hit it, and the guy came on. Oh, cool, cool. I'm cool, you know? Um, I put it on my resume, I told him. Then I hit another one later, and a couple other guys got in, and then I made it. I, I ran all the way around all the bases. Yeah. Pretty big time. Pretty big time, guys. I'm a star. Um, but but th this thought hit me many years ago. The, the perspective of a huge victory in a sporting event, man, it means a lot, right? I don't know how much it really means because I've never won one, but it means a lot, right? But how much more does it mean to the person who was playing in the game than the person who was sitting in the benches, right? Even if you were on the team, but I never got out there, I never played in the game, if you're just sitting on the bench and you never get called in the game, the feeling of victory is wildly different for someone who was in there, who was either scoring or assisting or whatever they do in Sportsville, right? It's so much more for them because they were in it. They were involved. They did something more than show up. And see, we have allowed for far too long in the church, we've allowed people to be on the bench or on the pew to determine what is good or bad or right or wrong. And we've listened to all these people that are just showing up to the game because we got to keep the stadium full, right? We keep listening to what they, okay, well, he didn't like this, so now I got to tweak this. And oh, they didn't like that, so now I got to try to do this. And I got, listen, y'all know me well enough. I'm just doing whatever I feel like God's telling us to do. That's it. And some of you are like, what? Why are we doing this now? It just, and y'all are just amazing because you're just like, all righty then, you know? <laughs> Let's go do that. But see, our actions in the game have to be pleasing unto God. See, when I look at what we are doing and what we are attempting to do in our community, the question becomes, are we doing real ministry? Are we breaking down barriers? Are we chipping away at stone walls that have been there for years or decades or whatever? Or are we finding ourselves just trying to pacify believers, just making them feel better about their spot on the bench, right? And I truly believe, listen, I truly believe that part of my calling as a pastor is to not have you sitting on the bench, right? I, when, when we talked to um, the couple that we were talking to this week, I, I told them what I, I've probably said to almost all of you is that I will fail you miserably. 
I have said it time and time again. I will fail you miserably. And I, and I tell them, I will not show up every time that you stub your toe. I will not do it because I can't because I'm doing 900 billion different things, right? Not just with the church, but with everything. I don't know if you've seen my four kids, but the two younger ones, they are psycho today, okay? I don't know what has happened, but I'm like, what is going on, you know? And so, and so I, I told them the same story. It's like, look, I am not going to be there every time you stub your toe. That doesn't mean I don't care about you. It doesn't mean I'm not interested in you. But what I will tell you is that I expect everyone on this team to be in the game so that if you're the person who stubbed your toe, it's not waiting on Pastor Tom to show up and talk about your hurt toe, that you've got people that you've connected with, you've talked about that are already reaching out to you and checking on you and seeing how you are. That's a community, right? That's what we're supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to do. And see, my calling is to get you in the game. And this is, this is my thought with this. I want you to understand what you'll discover when you're in the game. And I think, I think this, is, this is what the enemy has tried to do to churches for far too long, okay? They've, they have done everything in their power to keep people in the seats, on the bench, and not in the game. Because when you get in the game, something crazy happens. All of a sudden, you realize that you have skills, that you have opportunities, that you have, you have something that you bring to the table that you may have not even known was in you, that gets awakened when all of a sudden you step out into the game. And you want to know my best example of that is my wife, Bethany. <laughs> She's going, oh, amen me out to now. For those of you who were there at the kickball game, we get Bethany in the outfield all of a sudden, and she is catching these balls that these guys have kicked. And she's like, she's nailing them. And she's bowing. I mean, she's just into it. She's like, she's like climbing the ladder. I was like trying, hey, calm, just pull it down a little bit, hon. You're all right. Let's not be prideful, you know. Uh, (laughs) But like, she saw this, and you know what happened? All this confidence started building up within her. Like, she started getting excited. She was like, bring it on, you know? Like, she was like, you know, she was all in it. She was ready, and she was excited. She was, but that's because she got in the game, and she found that she had skill, right? And she found that, look, man, and I'm doing it, and I'm doing it great, and I'm the best there ever was, right? <laughs> and trust me, I've heard it for the last two weeks. <laughs> But see, she found this. She found this because she got in the game, right? And see, I I think, I hate to say this, but I think for a long time, the church has been failing to fulfill its purpose because we've allowed the bench to stay full because we don't think this person's ready enough, because this person's not cleaned up enough, because this person still says a bad word every now and then, because this person doesn't go to the right places, because this person doesn't wear the right outfits. We've done this for so long that what the church has become is just this complacent group of people sitting on the bench. And that is not what, listen, that is not what church, and I, I you know, for me as a pastor, I would feel ashamed if you weren't in the game. Because what happens too often in the church 
is people look at someone and they say, they are so good at it that I would never be that good, and so I'll never be able to do anything. And that simply is not true. What it does is it weakens the body of Christ in so many, so many ways. Think about this. If you only keep the same players on the field the entire time, do you know what happens? They get completely burned out. Trust me, after five games of kickball, after one game of kickball, I was burned out. <laughs> Granted, I was definitely not the star player either. <laughs> but, but literally, what happens is you put these star players out there, and they're running, and they're fighting, and they're doing everything they can to win, and they're just going for it, and they're giving them everything. And the whole time, they're draining every ounce of energy they have. And you know what's happening to the people that are sitting on the bench? Because they're not moving, because they're not experiencing anything, because they're not increasing their heart rate, they're becoming weaker on the bench. So what you end up with is this incredibly weak team. Is that, I'm, I'm, I'm dangerously close to saying something I shouldn't say, but is that not dangerously close to how the church looks to the world? Completely weak. And it all comes down to we are not exercising, not legitimately exercising, please don't. Where were you in the gym this week, Pastor Tom? Don't do that, okay? But we are not exercising the giftings that God has placed in us. I don't care if there is not a gap for you to fill within the church to do it. Do it anyways. There doesn't have to be a position. There doesn't have to be a place. There doesn't have to be a title. You know what? There has to be a willingness to serve in some way. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Fill the gap. We are to be the body of Christ. We are supposed to be active. We are supposed to be in the game. And see, what we've done is we've lost sight of the ministry of Jesus, and we've replaced it with the Church of America. We have allowed ourselves, and I'm going to take you into Luke chapter 15 where we're going to talk about this, but we've lost sight of the ministry of Jesus because it's been more about playing my songs. It's been more about making me feel better, giving me those goosebumps that I need, allowing me to feel to such a point that I can run the aisles or shout or whatever it is. Those are all good things, but can I tell you, if you are waiting for church to have an experience with God, you're wrong, (laughs) Ouch, I know, I'm sorry. We are not allowed to push every experience, every desire that we have on an experience within these four walls because, listen, there is a world of people that have been completely let down because that's what we've sold them. We've sold them that if you come to church, it'll all get better. If you come to church, it'll all feel okay. If you come to church, and what's happened? They've come to the church and nothing's happened. Nothing's felt different because we didn't teach them how to walk as Jesus walked. We didn't show them how to live like Jesus lived. We showed them how the American church does church. See, we have to to do more than that. Luke chapter 15. I want to read verses 1 through 7 here. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. (laughs) I love this. So he told them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, 
does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, listen to this, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Let me, let me explain something to you. I hear people all the time who say, I just want to please God. I just want God to be happy with what I'm doing. I just want to make sure that we're doing the right things. I just want to make sure X, Y, Z. Listen, what God is telling us right in there is that where is the more joy in heaven happening? It is when one sinner who repents comes forward. It doesn't say when one sinner shows up to a church service and reacts at the right time during an altar call once the music is right and comes up and gets pressured into an experience. It's when someone ministers to them right where they are and they experience the life-changing work that is found in Jesus. And see, the longer that we believe the lie that this is where people get saved, the weaker the church will become. The longer that we believe the lie that there are certain people who have the ability to minister to the word and those are the people and I can only bring people to those people, whether they be an evangelist or whether they be a pastor or fill in the blank with whatever title you want to give them. If they're that, I can bring them to that person and that person will get them saved. Wrong. You have a story. You have an impactful story of your own experience with Christ. It is yours to give. It is yours to give. See, we've lost sight of the ministry of Jesus. Have we not in the church find ourselves spending more time with the 99? And you know why? Because we're terrified they're going to leave just like the one did. So what we do is we try to pacify the 99. Give them more of what they're saying they want. Give them more of this and more of that. Instead of allowing them to grow up a little bit, get hungry in the word, and experience the life that Jesus intended for them. See, Jesus is saying, go after the one. The religious are spending more time debating theology, debating worship style, how many passages the, the pastor should be reading when he preaches a sermon. Well, pastor only read one scripture today, you know. People will critique everything. (laughs) They will. And they will allow that critique to get them to a point that they don't hear the message of Christ, that they don't see the ministry of Christ that they are supposed to live out. And I will tell you this, as a pastor, it is important that you get in the game. See, we are too worked up about all these other boxes that we've got to check to make everything just right for everybody than we are how to fervently and passionately go after the one. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, says, or does. It matters that you are willing to walk out the purposes that God has placed within you. Listen, your 
Your calling doesn't have to look like filling a position in a church, okay? I want, I want to free the church of that thought because in the church, people see very few opportunities for me to serve in the church, right? I can be a pastor, I can be a worship pastor, I can be a teen pastor, I can be a children's pastor, I can work in the nursery, I can do X, Y, right? There's, there's these little boxes. Bethany and I, on Friday, yesterday, we, um, my mom, for my birthday, the only thing I ever ask her for my birthday is for a date with my wife. That's it. That's all I want. That makes me sound like a really good husband. So let me say that again. The only thing I ever want for birthday, Christmas, Easter, everything <laughs> is a date with my wife. That's it. That's all I ever ask for. I have told her family that. Don't buy me anything. I don't need anything. I just, I need a date with my wife. That's it, okay? And so, so we did that. I took the kids to my mom's yesterday morning. Promised her I would feed them breakfast before they came. <laughs> I did. I did. I gave him a banana <laughs> and, and I think like a half a bagel or something. I don't remember what it was, but it counted. Um, and after we dropped him off, Bethany wanted to go to this little antique shop in Blanchester. Um, we love going antiquing. We have way too much crap in our basement from doing it, um, but we love doing it. And we walked into this, and we have gone to the same antique mall since we were first married. I mean, we were 18 and 19 years old, probably, wandering into this little antique mall. And a lady's name was Elizabeth. And we walk in, and uh, um, she found out we were pastors, and, and, uh, and so she, she was talking our head off, okay? Absolutely talking our head off. And she says to us, I'm kind of ashamed because I have, I have been able to, in this business, I've been able to talk to so many people. She started telling us a story about a lady that she led to the Lord, a lady by the name of Mary. And Mary wrote her this amazing letter telling her how much she ministered to her. And Mary passed away a few days later. She's crying, telling us these stories of people that she's ministered to. And she looks at us, she says, I am so ashamed that I have not been in a church. And we said, Why? We said, you are doing the ministry of Jesus with every single person that walks into this building. There is nothing to be ashamed of. And she told us, she's like, and I do, I connect. And we're like, stop. You don't need to explain yourself. You have been ministering to people out of this building for how many years was it, Beth? Was it 20 years or something? I can't remember what it was. And, and, and we, we, we want you to hear this. Filling your role in the kingdom of God doesn't have to look like a position in the church. You may be an amazing carpenter who serves at the toppest level that you possibly can because you love the Lord and you want to give your absolute best. You may work in an office and you may be, you should be the rock. Listen, every single one of us should be the rock star employee of every company that we work for. Hands down, hands down. They should look at us and they should say, what the heck? How are you wired? I had someone sit me down once. I had an HR manager sit me down once many years ago and said, can you just explain to me how you're wired? Because we need more of you. <laughs> and I was like, well, I ain't working no harder because I'm like tapped out, man. You know, <laughs> no, more people like you. Okay. We should be like that. We should be like that every, every place that we go. I said to her when we were talking to her, I said, every 
place that you put your foot is your territory. It doesn't have to be in these walls. These walls hold purpose for us, right? These walls hold purpose for us as believers. It's a place to be recharged. It's a place to be excited. It's a place to connect. It's a place, it, it's, this, is, this is, I like to call it home base, right? That's kind of like a sports reference, but it's really not home base in that way. So it's not really not a sports reference at all just because I use the word base, okay? I was trying, and that did not work. <laughs> That's what this is for us. For them, this doesn't mean anything. And it shouldn't, right? I mean, why should it? You know what should mean something to them? When you show them generosity like they've never seen, and they can't understand why. I had someone come up to me in a community, and they were bummed because they didn't have a dollar for water. Now, look, this person in the community probably didn't need a dollar for water. I didn't even ask. I just, there you go, right? No questions asked. Go get your water. Walk away. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be questioning every single person's motive because all we need to do is show generosity like Christ did. You know, Christ, Christ knew. <laughs> Christ knew their history. We pretend to know, right? Christ knew their story. Christ knew the woman in adultery, everything she had done. And he showed kindness to her. We look at a person and we question what they've done. And we make our own judgment and we make our own decision. Wow. See, being the church, being in the game means being active, not sitting on the bench. And so this is, this is, this is my call to action to you. Oh man, I know if I say it, Beth's going to say something about it. I, I was going to say, get in the game. And I know her head is immediately thinking, get your head in the game uh, from, what is it? High school musical or something. I know I can hear her singing it as soon as I say it. Oh, she was singing it. See, yeah, Nakoda's like, yeah, she was just singing it back here. I knew she was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, we have to get in the game. We can no longer sit on the sidelines, sit on the bench, because the church is becoming weaker because we're allowing it to happen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Real Church Goshen. You can find out more about us and our services by visiting us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Real Church Goshen.